What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League Podcast here on FanDrag Sports with me, Sebastian Noren, Polly Costell, and Elliot Niblock. The sirens are gone for now, but they will be back. It's almost a given. If you're playing podcast bingo, then that should be the center tile. It should be sirens. <laughs> Uh, no Premier League to speak about this episode, but we'll talk about what happened in the Champions League. Maybe touch a little bit on the Europa League as well. And then we're going to look ahead at what's coming up in the FA Cup this weekend. So without further ado, let's travel back in time to Tuesday. Where Manchester City took a 4 nothing win over Basel on the road. And... Tottenham got a 2-2 draw against Juventus. Uh, let's start with the City game, though. 4 nothing. This tie is already over. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. there's there's no chance in hell that Basel will score four goals at the Etihad. Right? What if they play in heaven? Oh. Well, I wouldn't call Etihad <laughs> yeah. heaven. No, even in heaven, four away goals. Is if they move the game to Old Trafford, then maybe. 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 Yeah, uh, I wouldn't either. So, yeah, that ties over. I watched zero of that game because why would you when there was a really good game going on? Yes, that Juventus Spurs game. Let's jump over to that. I, I We apologize, City fans, but that tie is over. You all... You can, you can book a ticket to the next round. So Juventus Spurs. I mean, this what a game, really. Uh, Juventus came out flying, scored twice in the opening ten minutes. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain first with a beautiful goal in the second minute, and then he scored on a penalty in the ninth. But after that, Spurs sort of took over the game and kept on pressing, kept on pushing. Harry Kane made it 2-1 to one, 10 minutes before halftime, and then Christian Eriksen tied things up in the 71st minute. This is a good result for Spurs, and if it wasn't for this unfortunate opening by them, they could have easily won this game. They also could have easily lost. I mean, Higuain yeah. also rang a, yeah. a penalty right off the post. Yeah, smack on the bar there. Uh, that was the last thing that happened in the first half. Yeah, she he should have had a first half hat trick, and I think if he has if he converts that, then there's probably no way back for Tottenham. But you know, as it is, they like they they have to go back to Wembley, the favorites, right? You oh know, yeah, two, two away goals, of course. Yeah, and and you know that that stadium is going to be packed, right? Like. It's a huge match. Even a ton of neutral fans would show up for that. I would show up for that even if I didn't give a damn about the Premier League and I just liked quality football. Yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way if I got cheap tickets, then yes. I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, what did Tottenham, who did they just play? They played United, they played Liverpool, they played Arsenal. They played Juventus in consecutive games. They won, drew, won, drew. They also, earlier this season, they played, like, Arsenal and, um, who was it United or was it Liverpool and it was Real Madrid? Let me pull this up. Yes, please do. But you're saying that they're showing up for the bigger games. 
that's not so much what I'm saying. I mean, no. yes, they are showing up for the bigger games. Uh, they played Real Madrid, so uh, 10-17. What surrounded 10-17? So they played, they played Bournemouth, then they played Real, then they played Liverpool, then they played United, and then they played Real again. Um, and, yeah, I guess they had, like, a cup match in between there. And I just closed it. But the, the thing was, they won all those games or drew them, except for that one United away game. And then this time around, they won and they drew. They're a good team. They are capable of doing it. And yet, no one complains about their schedule more than Spurs fans. It's kind of ridiculous. And it, at a certain <laughs> point, it's at a certain point, you have to say, like, because they're so desperate to be a big club. And at a certain point, like, if you're a big club, like, yeah, it's one thing when you have Wenger or Sir Alex or Jose, like, playing, you know, mind games with the media and just being like, oh, like, it's tough and everything. But the fans don't. Like, you know, as a fan, I don't care, like, I'll, I don't care what order we play teams in. It's, do we have a game on Saturday? We do. Cool. Let's show up. Let's watch this game. Let's win it. Oh, we have a game Wednesday. Who are we playing? Let's show up and win that. You want to be considered a big club, stop bitching and moaning about the schedule. Every time that you have a rough part of the schedule, you get through unscathed. You know, worry about beating Bournemouth and stop worrying about your, your damn schedule. They do this every goddamn year. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. If you want to be a big club, you want to see your team have games pretty much every third day. You exactly. Want to be, you want to be in the thick of all yeah. of it. You want to be in all those competitions in the knockout rounds. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll see how they. I mean, this fare is a, this home. is the fan base that when they when they drew Real Madrid and Dortmund and were like, oh, we play Real Madrid, sandwiched between Liverpool and United, they're like, well, might as well just rotate the squad in the Champions League and focus on getting in the top four to get back there for next year. It's like, no, just play the games, believe in your team. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Uh, but yeah, pretty good outlook for them to away goals that that could end up playing a huge part in the second leg. And then if we move over to Wednesday, we saw Liverpool spank Porto 5-0. Sadio Mane with a hat-trick. Must feel good for him to get back on track. And then we also had another big, big game in Real Madrid PSG. Real Madrid took a 3-1 win in that one. Cristiano Ronaldo with the brace. I was hoping this this game, game... Yeah, but I was hoping it would end, you know, at least... Just two one. Yeah, I mean, this was this answered the question practically. Unless PSG do what they do to Barcelona last year, or was it what Barcelona did to PSG when they came back? Either way, they yes. put up four in a game. Yes. Um, I mean, unless they do that, it answers the question that we constantly ask: like, okay, cool, you can win league on by thirty points. Can you actually beat the good teams? Because you're not beating anybody in your own league. Yeah. Well, to me, honestly, this is this this first couple match days to me is fascinating because it raises another question that is always posed in terms of not, you know, south of the channel, but north, which is why can't Premier League teams perform in the knockout rounds of the Champions League? And lo and behold, we have Tottenham posing an unlikely 2-0 down comeback to a 2-2 away goal draw, Liverpool smashing five and City hitting four. I mean, if United and Chelsea are both able to get results, and I think that we all know that United is more likely to than Chelsea, but Chelsea are at home despite their recent crap form. You know, I mean, that that whole narrative of the last several years gets turned on its head. 
I would say United can play a yeah, team. Yeah, you don't that, think so? United could play a team that defends as as poorly as Porto did and still not score because they just won't attack. It's an away game. There will be no attack. Yeah, one nothing. Well, that's what I. That's why I just said get a result, happy. right? Like, yeah. yeah, you know, or even you know, if they can nick a goal and have that game be one-one for Chelsea, it's a much bigger ask given their recent abysmal form. You know, regardless of the venue, home and away, and against lesser opposition than FC Barcelona, yeah. I think that goes without saying. That's true. I mean, just to go back quickly to the Juventus Spurs game. Juventus were without a couple of really big players in this. They were without Dubala, Cuadrado, Matuidi, yeah. and Lichtsteiner, four players that are basically in their starting 11 when they're fit. Well, and I think Dybala is probably the biggest absence there of all of them. Yeah. yeah he's a great, great player. Uh, but yeah, so I was hoping for a little bit more of a even game in that Real PSG because I don't know too... I mean, they're capable, but at the same time, you got to keep Riala's big, big favorites now, which is sad. I don't want them to win again. I don't think they'll win again. <laughs> they're, not, I, I, they're not as good as Barcelona, and I think if, if it came down to that, if they have to play Barcelona, they won't advance. Mm. Yeah. They're not as good as I City either. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think City, Barcelona, and Bayern are the three front runners for my money. Yeah, we'll see how. And probably even out. in that order, actually. Yeah, it's interesting. That's I'm happy that we're finally in the knockout stages here. Uh, quick look at the Europa League. Uh, let's start with Arsenal. They took a three nothing win on the road against Osasuna's FK. Um, Nacho Monreal, and then an own goal by. Papadianopoulos. And then Mesut Well, although that, you know, Mkhitaryan probably, but Mkhitaryan and Welbeck wanted that goal, but Welbeck clearly wanted it more, but it was overall good play. Uh, But, you know, to me, the funniest thing is, like, given his recent goal-scoring form, if Nacho Monreal was 15 years old, his (laughs) coaches would be saying, okay, right, you're not the defender, we're moving you to striker tomorrow yep no i mean overall did you like what you saw from this arsenal side i mean yeah it's not, the thing is that they they were totally on top of the game for the first 20 25 minutes um i saw the whole thing got to get a shout out to the arsenal guys here in mexico city because they were a fantastic bunch uh but they were they were on top of the game you know they made the pressure tell which is what they were able to carry through and ultimately you know, win the first leg. But at the same time, they absorbed a lot of pressure through the second part of the first half. Ospina had to make a very good save. I mean, this was, uh, I guess, I don't know how to parse it, uh, a definitive and professional victory. And in fact, Danny Welbeck himself used the language of professionalism afterwards. But it was by no means an overwhelming or comprehensive one. You know, I think that you could ask questions of the goalkeeper on uh, on the second the first and the third goals you could ask questions of the defender on the second i mean they did well they did the job that had to be done but it's hard to see that game in you know happy as i am from an arsenal standpoint and not think you play that way against better opposition and you probably don't even nick a point from this match 
Yeah, I mean, Paul and I were saying last episode that, you know, the guy who's maybe Maitland Niles would be the one in the starting 11 in this game who makes the least amount of money, he would still make more than all of Ustasun's starting 11 combined. Ustasun's, yeah. That's that's probably true. And yes. actually, speaking of him, though, I was happy to see him get slotted into midfield, which is the position that, you know, Arsene Wenger has tapped him as a midfielder, yet he keeps playing him in defense. And so getting him minutes, uh, just for the sake of his development, I think is really important. Um, and also, I, the other thing that I found discouraging is that even though Welbeck himself used that language of it being a professional performance, he... Yeah, he looked almost as timidly off form as Lacazette, to be quite honest. You know, there were a couple moments. He, he did take a couple shots, but there were also other moments in which I thought, you know, that's a tight angle, but somebody who's brimming with confidence tries to fire that into the top corner. And both times he laid it off to Mkhitaryan. And, and you know, they, it wasn't a bad pass, right? It's not like he gave up possession cheaply. It's just those small moments that indicate to me, okay, here's a player in the final third who you want to be absolutely ruthless, who maybe is just he, – he just doesn't have it yet. And he's he's got to have it because Lacazette is injured and Aubameyang is cup-tied, and that leaves us with Eddie and Keita. And honestly, he didn't get many – he didn't really get many looks in the last seven, eight minutes he was on the pitch, but he certainly looked hungrier and more up for it and ready than Welbeck did. Yeah, I was just going to say, you you don't have to worry about Lacassette being out of form here cause, since he's injured for a while. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, they, yeah. Take a, they take a comfortable 3-0 lead back home to London. Yeah. I mean, is there any other results I mean, here that really stand out as far as the Europa League goes? Oh, the Dortmund result. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Batuai just doesn't stop scoring. Yeah, 3-2 yeah. at home him. over Atalanta. Yeah, and Atalanta grabbed the lead in that match. Yeah, they were up 2-1 to one, and then Batuai with the brace to... Uh... Well, I, I think I think they took the lead twice, unless I'm mistaken. I think they went up 1-0 first. I mean, no. honestly... I'm no, just, Dortmund was up 1-0 at halftime, and then... And then Atlanta. Uh, okay. Not Atlanta. Atalanta. Let's call him Atlanta. Joseph Ilicic with two. Ilicic, there we go. With two goals for Atalanta. So not a super comfortable lead going into the second leg, but still. Uh, Milan, they won 3-0. We saw Atletico Madrid take a 4-1 win on the road against FC Copenhagen. So I would say that they're pretty much a lock for the next round too. So, yeah, otherwise, Napoli actually losing 3-1 to at home against Leipzig. That, that's a little bit of a, you know. Yeah, know. that's true. That, I mean, that's a surprise as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but other than that, not too much to write home about. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time to talk the FA Cup. So stick around. Okay, so tomorrow we got two games to kick off the next round of the FA Cup. We got Leicester City against Sheffield United and Chelsea at home against Hull. Not super exciting, to be honest. Leicester Sheffield. <laughs> oh, come on. Leicester. Nah. Leicester and Sheffield should be good. I don't know. I'm having a hard time getting getting the hype up for this. I would say Sheffield Wednesday, Swansea. Ooh, on Saturday. 
you can't you can't watch Lester versus Sheffield because there's uh, NASCAR training or Ooh. practice on that so NASCAR Chelsea practice. And, Chelsea and Hull get the FS2 game. Uh, what do we got Saturday? Well, 7:30 a.m. Eastern Sheffield Wednesday Swansea. I'm hoping that's on TV. That is Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea's on TV. There is. Uh, no 10 o'clock game on TV. That's fine, because we got West Brom going up against Southampton and Brighton going up against Coventry. So what? Game. And then 12, yeah, yeah. 12.30 Huddersfield against Manchester United. Actually, it doesn't matter. You don't need to give me a game. Uh, it's the Olympics. I forgot about that. My bad. Yeah, yeah that nice 14-hour Not... time difference to Pyeongchang. I mean, I, yeah, honestly... I'm not going to watch the... Uh... Both of the Sunday fixtures, excuse me, not both of them, one Sunday and one day Monday, but the final two fixtures are yes. the ones that I'm most excited about. In the fifth yeah, round. so so Sunday you got Rochdale against uh, Spurs, Rochdale at home, and then Monday you got Wigan against Man City. Ghosts of Cup got- Final Past. Yeah, but I feel like even if they rotate heavily both these sides, they... They'll be fine. I don't, I don't think we'll get one of those. Ah, Rochdale's, Rochdale's not an easy place to go play. That's a crappy stadium in a crappy part of the country with crappy-ass weather. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Here, I, was just about, I was just about to think, like, oh, wow, Paulie speaking up for Rochdale, and then immediately, oh, their stadium's terrible, and that part of the world is awful. It is. Yikes. I mean, that's exactly what I said. Like, I went to Manchester, and the weather there is just, it's brutal. Like, just being outside there was awful. What do you have against so, like, the Spotland Stadium? Like, that's that's just, I, I just, I was like, I couldn't believe how they built such an incredible cathedral in, like, the worst spot in the world. Yeah. Like, Old Trafford's, like, the coolest place I've ever been to. And it's just built the worst part of like an awful, awful, awful part of the world. And the crazy thing is, Rochdale is on the same tram line. Like, yeah. it's on the same Manchester tram line as Old Trafford. Who the hell goes to those games? <laughs> I don't know the average attendance for Rochdale's games, but they. <laughs> oh, uh, really? You don't know that off the top the, of your head, Seb? The, I'm the, shocked. Yeah, the, sta- the stadium has a capacity of 10,249. So I'm hoping it will be packed. If, if That's you're smaller if you're than on, some like college, like high school football stadiums in Texas. If you're on the tram, like going to Rochdale, like just get on going the other way and go to Old Trafford. It's the same thing with Bury. Bury's on the same tram line, also. Hmm. Yeah, where where are they sitting like, right least, now in like, League not One? Even, not even not even Tottenham and Arsenal are on the same tube line. Uh, let's see here. Oof. Oh my God! They are, I mean, they're in the bottom of League One. So I no, I don't care if if they if Spurs put out the under twenty three side in this one, they're gonna win this. There are also I just I made that comparison off the cuff, and I think it. it, I I don't know what made me do this, but I looked it up, and there are more than fifty high school football stadiums in Texas with a larger attendance capacity than Rochdale's. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if that says more about Texas's obsession or the size of Rochdale or a little bit of both. Yeah, you could probably find a grade school that has a bigger stadium. Uh, Junior no. high. 
<laughs> Maybe. Still doubtful. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That the, Everything's the bigger in Texas, as they say. Like oh God. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a small stadium. I'm ho- hopefully it will be packed. The cheapest ticket is seventeen pounds. That's ex- that's incredibly expensive. To go see that crap of a team. You mean to see the last place team in League One? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. The club attracts a small but loyal fan base with a hardcore following of around 2,000 home fans on average per match. Ooh. Yikes. I mean, they're, they're literally, their tagline is, I'm reading about the stadium right now. It says, Rochdale is, as we've already mentioned, in Greater Manchester. If you can get yourself to the home of Manchester United and Manchester City, then you won't be too far away from Spotland. Yeah, I, I like I said, I don't give them a chance in hell. So, but we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Wigan against Man City, though. I mean, I feel like it's sort of the same thing there. Yeah, Man City will roll right over. They're, Man City are back on form. They're just gonna roll. Yeah. The game, yeah. the the biggest, and I know we we've spoken about this, and we're like beating a dead horse right now because we spent like all of Monday's show. But the biggest cup set opportunity is going down in Huddersfield. Wouldn't yes. be shocked if Huddersfield come out of that game on top. Nope, not at all. Not at all. Wigan, we should say they are second in League One right now. But yeah, Huddersfield, I give them a very good chance of beating United. Um, and... I mean, yeah. online, there's, you know, there's United fans, and I mean, they're saying this in jest, but like, not really. But they're like, maybe like, we'll be able to go there and take them back to Old Trafford. Oof. Yeah, I mean it's state's state of the club right now, and which makes the contract extension even worse. But it's we the state of your the state of your shit manager. Yeah, pretty much. And we spoke. I mean, Elliot, let let's have you weigh in on this. We spoke last episode about Mourinho, and we're Paulie and I. We're both hoping that he's going to leave for PSG in the summer. Um, should we be? Uh, I, I mean, see, do you think that he will? Though I mean, like, Elliot, 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 Mourinho in the same way that we're funds in the world. Elliot's Mourinho in the yeah. same way that we're Wenger in. Yeah. Well, the yes. thing is, too, yeah, though, exactly. I don't know. I don't really care if Wenger stays or goes because I think after he leaves, it's going to be the same thing that happened when Sir Alex left Manchester United. Yeah. There's going to be a period of. Mm. No, I, 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 I beg to differ at least a little bit because while I think that there will be you know some tumult and some growing pains to go through that managerial transition, I nonetheless also would contest the comparison just because Wenger's last few years have been absolutely woeful, right? Yeah, they've like, been crap. You know, I mean, he's he's continued to prove himself in the FA Cup, which has always been his favorite competition. You know, and and that's not to, that's not to say that that's not an achievement in and of itself, but it's not, it's by no means the you know the like going out in the glory days that Fergie was able to enjoy in terms of just the air of competence and confidence around the club. There has been incompetence and a total lack of confidence 
in you know frequently over the course of the last few years at Arsenal, regardless of the ability to occasionally lift the FA Cup. Yeah, but I mean, who do you who do you bring in though? Are they going to go for a big the biggest name possible? Or, I don't know. Or are I, they going to? Or are they looking at? Oh, we need another guy that can be here for 20 years. I think I think you you pick a caretaker manager who has history with the club. I would be happy to see. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think that he he probably doesn't have enough experience for the board, but I would love to see Mikel Arteta. You know, like he's been deputizing under certainly the best manager in this possible moment. Also, certainly one of the best managers of his generation, arguably one of the best managers of all time. And he has a good relationship with the club. And I think that, you know, the pressure of filling Wenger's shoes will be enough if you want to heap pressure on top of that of, You know, you already have this big legacy coming in, and now we expect you to, you know, immediately be the, you know, the second coming of the Invincibles. That's not realistic. Like, it's going to be real. It, no matter who's the manager, we have rebuilding years ahead of us. Like, that's the reality of the situation. Tony Adams. Oh, God. Just I thought you were going to say Pulis. At least it's bring not it, quite that Bring terrible. in the whole old gang. Get Burkamp in as a trainer. You know, he can't fly with the team to anywhere, but... Bring in Freddie Youngberg. He's probably available. There's a lot Maybe of good that, stuff you here. Know, that'll be the, the, the shtick, though, is that they have Dennis Bergkamp coming who can't fly. And so he's taking you know buses, trains, public transit. And so he shows up at halftime with this big speech, not even having seen the first half. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, have Ian Wright show well yeah, back how to finish. A, yeah, it's the surrealist approach to football management, right? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it would it would kind of be fun. I I don't think it's going to be a f I don't think it's going to be a former or Arsenal player though. I think they're we'll going to they're going to so. go at, they're going to go after a big name. It's going to be I don't know what is Ancelotti doing these days. Yeah, I I mean it honestly it might be him, and I think that the board also wants to flex their muscles and show that you know this is no longer Arsene Wenger's team, and they're really keen on putting their stamp on something. You know, um, yeah. whether or not that leads to success i don't know yeah i mean you need someone who just comes out and just basically just replace all the backroom staff everything and that can either go really well or it can that's go not gonna really poorly as we saw that's not gonna happen with, uh, stan, david moise stan crunk he's too greedy for that and he's too complacent <laughs> like, you he's know, like, oh, i don't like, want to i don't want to pay all these uh, extra salaries Yeah, honestly, the mediocrity and cashing checks is what he's all about. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, but at least they got a 3-0 win over Östersund. So. That's true. I had a great day. Yep. That's always something. Okay, that's going to do it for us here today. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Paul is P. Quistel. Elliot is Keats was better. Give Fandrick Sports a follow as well. And... RFS Football, which is just a new handle for the soccer portion of the site. Until next time, have a good one. Bye bye. Thank you.